Welcome back to Emmaism, a philosophy podcast for students of philosophy, because that really is what we all are, seekers of knowledge. It's been a while since we've heard that, um, but happy Friday, guys, and once again, it's time to philosophize. Um, Admittedly, I've taken a bit of a break, but I promise that I've been working on an exciting extension of the podcast. This summer, I wrote a book. It's a book based on philosophy, and it's coming out later this fall on the major book retail vendors like Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Um, Expect it pre-holiday season. Um, And I'm really excited to share the premise today and the overall motivation with you because I worked really hard on this. Um, So for the podcast this week, I'm going to introduce it. Um, Also because, you know, this past week has been the first week of classes, so I'm getting right into it, but I'm excited about all of my philosophy courses um i'm taking some very interesting ones on the you know theory of knowledge and epistemology topics in that um focusing on genealogy and critical theory um i'm also taking philosophy of justice where you know we're we're thinking about questions of justice as a whole but also distributive justice things like um theories of punishment and ideal versus non-ideal theory and how that might work in constructing you know systems of judgment for how we ought to govern ourselves um i'm also taking bioethics courses and the bioethics course is um very argument heavy so hopefully i'll be able to construct and present some bioethical arguments for you all at some point this semester um but the point is I'm excited, but, you know, I I wanted to take some time um, on my first podcast back to explain what I've been up to and to introduce to you all the book that I I wrote and that will be published later on this year. Um, So I guess we'll just get right into it. As you all know, I mean, I I love philosophy. That's why I'm doing this podcast. And and I want to share my love of philosophy with you all. My book is an extension of that mission, and it is essentially a how-to guide on beginning serious philosophical study. Like, where do we start? How do you excel, and how do you apply it? Because at the end of the day, philosophy is very practical. It's something that you can really use in everyday life. Um, I mean, obviously, it is theoretical, but, you know, it's a practical theory, Um, and it's just a practical field that is interdisciplinary. And you know, it's, it's hard to start. It's hard to know where to start and it's hard to know why to start. And I'm hoping to inform that project a little bit more. Um, in particular, my book is meant to be a resource for, you know, pre-undergraduate, so maybe high school level students and new undergraduate students, as well as, you know, ones in the major who are looking to excel at the philosophy major. Um, Hence the name of my book, which is How to Excel in Undergraduate Philosophy. I believe that philosophy is a transformational discipline that is supportive of life's greatest endeavors. Philosophy has given me the foundation to accomplish dreams that I never would have imagined in my years prior to committing to the major in my freshman year at Villanova. You know, I, I didn't even know what philosophy really was before I took a course, the introductory course that you, you know, had to take, even though I was a business student at Villanova. Um, I, I didn't know what it was. I didn't know why someone would study it. I thought it was something interesting, yes, but essential now. 
And studying that helped me come to realize that it is essential. It's essential to the human person and it's what makes life worthwhile. Um, you know, is the un- unexamined life really worth, you know, living? That's, you know, Socrates said that. And I think about that to this day because philosophy has taken such an incredible impact on my life. And philosophy has given me the foundation to accomplish those dreams. And philosophy inspired me to start this podcast and begin my mission to make philosophy accessible to all and enjoyable to learn. The biggest hurdle in getting people to study philosophy is the fact that they think it's really hard. And they also might think it's kind of boring. Um, But I'm trying to say that it's not hard, really, once you get the hang of it. Everything's hard at first, but nothing comes without practice and so just diving into philosophy and as like something that you take as this is important that must be a premise to take philosophy as a discipline seriously you know on the onset and I'm trying to inform that so the Emmaism premise overall um, is to collaborate create and celebrate This book that I wrote is a manifestation of that mission, and I hope it will serve as a resource and guide that will be referred to again and again by students who are, again, looking to excel at the philosophy major and really taking philosophical studies seriously. I also believe that philosophy needs to be normalized and taught throughout all levels of the education system. Now, I'm not sure if my book can have, you know, that much reach, but Ideally, I think that philosophy needs to be embedded in public education as, you know, as well as private. I would like philosophy to be taught everywhere um, from a very young age so that people know what it is about the project of living. Um, I, I, w- I would refer to philosophy as the project of living because it truly teaches you how to, you know, be as a human in our capacity to the fullest extent. Um, so it really teaches you how to be and it teaches you how to be critical and it teaches you how to be, you know, innovative. Um, it teaches you many, many things and I think that it needs to be normalized and taught. That's why philosophy seems scary. It's not taught. And reflecting on my personal experience, often I witness students being taught what to think and not how to think in these, you know, earlier stages of the education system. For example, students are taught what conclusions they should be deducing from various pieces of literature. They should be, you know, saying that the same conclusion applies as the teacher is exuding. Um, The teacher doesn't really want them to disagree with them. The students are taught that only certain opinions about those conclusions deduced from the text are appropriate. And as a result, when high school students enter college, they are shocked by the freedom of opinion that they're permitted to share. Suddenly, they have, you know, their eyes wide open. Um, they're, they're no longer really being held ideologically captive, per se, by an educator. Unless a student seeks out supplementary reading in courses that encourage the development of writing and logical argument formation, they struggle in college because of this freedom. Now, if they were informed with philosophical techniques on how to manage this freedom and how to um, you know, interact with this freedom in a way that is collaborative, innovative, and um, you know, 
charitable, then they would be more set up to succeed. Um, and, and this is not a new problem. History demonstrates the dangers of telling their students what to think and not how to think. Um, one example of this was chronicled in the trial of Socrates. Socrates was put to trial by Meletus on charges of impiety and corrupting the youth. Socrates was not a sophist. Sophists taught for money in ancient Greece, and they taught high-ranking men in Athens about rhetoric. Um, Sophists taught the Athenian men what to think. Um, Socrates taught them how to think. But the Sophists taught the men in rhetoric and were concerned with teaching the others success, of course, in exchange for money. And regardless, the men tutored by Sophists made up the juries in ancient Greece, the same juries that you know, convicted Socrates in his trial. Socrates was the teacher of philosophical thought, who through the Socratic method taught his students how to logically arrive at a conviction. Now, logically arriving at a conviction comes from a logical process, which is, you know, a, a philosophical reflection, um, a, a critical viewpoint and analysis uh, you know socrates did not teach the youth what to think but because in those in power thought that socrates was dangerous you know creating power through the proliferation of critical thought they sentenced him to death and the outcome was devastating if philosophy is taught from a young age then students will develop critical thinking and writing skills that will aid them in their pursuits beyond the k-12 through education system the continued practice of philosophy will offer immense freedom of thought to those who engage and will reorient the imagination of the youth toward reform and progress. Another notion to be gained from the inclusion of philosophy in the earlier stages of education is teaching the love of learning and benefit of pondering important questions of how we ought to live. What are we without normative suggestions, or I guess even normative you know, I guess imperatives. Um, without the influence of philosophy on education, we risk losing an opportunity to cultivate the youthful understanding of morality and what a good life includes and demands. Because there's no concrete framework to teach how we should think about our life projects and commitments to schools of morality, there's increased animosity toward others who don't share a common view. This kind of goes into the point of we had a bunch of students from different public schools from different places across the country who were all told what to think by their educators. When they come to college and they're suddenly met with opposition, they're going to resent the other because they don't even know how to respond or hear out the other because they were never understood they never were taught how to be charitable and how to consider even the premises toward getting or I guess the premises that support another's or an opponent's proposition um and so if students are taught how to approach differing opinions on morality and components of the good life they will exercise greater charitability and collaboration which will in turn promote inclusivity and I think that's what we're missing here if we're just you know spewing out things that we think our students should believe, then they're not really going to be in inclusive. Um, you might be exuding exclusive language. You should, um, you know, I guess, use 
X kind of language to describe Y scenario. But are you really on like telling them the logical narrative that you would arrive at that sort of proposition? No. If you were to share that logical narrative, maybe they would understand and be able to supply their own logical arguments for your proposition. Though that's that's a a thing a thing I have with educators today. I, I think that there should be more about the journey um, to get to a certain point of knowledge um, because at the end of the day, educators are informants and good informants have reasons to supply their belief. And um, yeah, that's essentially a branch of epistemology about good informants and the kind of knowledge that we receive. But Traditionally, good informants provide reasons for the kinds of things they believe, and so I think educators should do that as well, and that would imp- promote the people, the receivers of the knowledge, to then develop their own lines of reasoning and evidence for why they believe what they believe. Now, that's my opinion on education as it relates to my motivation for writing this book. The thought that individuals have been or, and are still being taught what to think and not how to think is also my motivation for continuing this podcast. I want to help individuals who are interested in philosophy expand their knowledge in the field. I also want to help them expand their knowledge in the field in the context of giving the resources to put forth and defend, maybe even criticize arguments um, that just live in the philosophical, ethical, sociological realms. Um, My hope is similar for the outcomes of those who read this book. I intend for my guide to help high school and young undergraduate students navigate finding a passion in philosophy and be encouraged to continue to pursue philosophy as a major. It is an incredibly applicable field and indispensable, in my opinion, to the project of living a good life. We have to know some philosophy in order to take on the project of living a good life. Now, my last motivation is tangential to the education argument. Full disclosure here, and I think we all know it, I'm an undergraduate student. I'm a junior. I don't have a PhD. But I do have experience within the undergraduate program at two different schools, and I believe that I have something valuable to share. I, I wanted to write a book as an example for other aspiring undergraduates. My dream was to publish a book written from the student perspective that would help other students develop a passion for and eventually decide to study my passion, which is philosophy. But When you boil this book down to the very basics of exactly what it is, this book is a guide for students by a student. I'm experiencing the undergraduate philosophy experience right now, and I want more philosophy student peers. I want more peers who love philosophy because they love philosophy. They don't study philosophy because it will, you know, I don't know, give some exchange for something in the future. They just, they love philosophy because they believe it is essential for the project of leaving a good good life. Um, And, you know, philosophy, I believe, is an extremely undersold field of study. So my project has been to share my love of the discipline and present my best cases for why is it, it is not an unattainable or inapplicable field, as others might think, and why everyone should be at least interested in exercising the practice of critical thinking, writing, and speaking. 
eventually, when my book comes out, if you choose to read it, I hope that it will offer you a lasting impact. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you probably already know that this is kind of the mission or vision I have for my podcast as well. Philosophy is an indispensable piece of life's puzzle. The study of philosophy frees us. It provides us the opportunity to learn how to be better humans and so thrive in our critical thinking capacities. If my book leads at least one student to study philosophy, then I'll be happy. Um, Philosophy is what I love to study, and I hope the sentiment is evident throughout my book and podcast episodes. I know that this really wasn't the usual podcast, but I'm proud to share what I did during my time away from this. And, you know, I, I essentially I hope that readers are going to be equipped with the right tools to set on their journey and eventually learn to love the pursuit of knowledge. I see my book and then my podcast as a chance for me to transform the field of education as it is and how it relates to um, the necessary nature of philosophy to be included into teaching pedagogy and i'm happy to announce that i'm going to be back in action on the podcast with even more planned for this semester interviews more releases on my book and new topics in philosophy like i mentioned earlier um topics in epistemology bioethics and justice be sure to tune in for those and um if you're looking for more resources I have um, short videos on tutorial about philosophy, such as, you know, creating an argument structure, various paper formats, and a little bit on the history of philosophy on my YouTube channel. You can look up Emmaism Philosophy Podcast on YouTube for that. And all my new podcast episodes will be launched on Instagram through just a promotional slide. So be sure to follow along on those. That's all I have for today's episode of Emmaism. Thank you for listening, and until next time, keep searching for the truth.